You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast, presented by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pernay Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. Well, Baylor's regular season has come to a close, and it finished with a loss at Texas, 38-27. Baylor finishes 6-6 six and six on the season. Four and five in conference play. They'll be off to a bowl game and we'll find out their opponent sometime within the next week or two. Um, Baylor, honestly, in this game, they, they, they started off strong. They started off with a safety pretty early in the first quarter and then followed that up with a nice touchdown drive on a great pass by Blake Shapin to, I believe it was, Hal Press no, it wasn't Hal Press. Oh, Ellis. It was Jalen Ellis, right, right. Yeah, Jalen Ellis. Um, and looked like it could be a good day for Baylor, but Texas came right back, and the game was close for a while, but eventually, Baylor kind of just ran out of gas, and Texas ran off with the game. Literally, ran off with the game. Yeah, that, that they did. They, you know, um, after after Baylor scored, Gabe Hall scoops and scores a 16-yard fumble return for a touchdown, put Bears back in the lead, 27-24, beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, Texas didn't even attempt to pass for the rest of the game. They go three straight drives, 22 rushes uh, between Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, uh, score, score a couple of touchdowns, and, and – you know, uh, look really dominant in those final 13 minutes offensively and defensively. Um, not sure why they couldn't have looked that dominant throughout the course of the whole game, Pernay. Um, I, I think that's a testament a little bit to the fortitude by Baylor, but also the just the lack of coaching on, on the Texas side because I felt like leading into this game, after Baylor's emotional loss to TCU, the season they've had, that just not as talented offensively, uh, Texas should have really run away with this game a lot earlier. Um, so it was, it was, it was pretty good. It was, it was nice to see Baylor competing for as long as they did. It felt like they could have gotten that win as well, but but as the case was so often this season, uh, things just broke down and, and slipped away by, by the end. Yeah, well, Baylor came out ready to play in this game. And Absolutely. I think I think that the reason it was so close for so long is because in the trenches, at least, I think Baylor can keep up with Texas. Obviously, B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, eventually just their their talent, their speed got out of hand and Baylor wasn't able to keep up at the end. Might have been a 
maybe they got tired and just weren't able to keep up with these two dynamic running backs. Could have just been that they lost focus, felt the pressure. Um, but I think that the talent or like the the level of play between the I think the quality of the players is pretty similar, especially because Baylor does have a lot of veterans. Um, but obviously we saw the talent differential come out at the end of the game. Um, I want to point to a quote that linebacker Bryson Jackson had after, after this game, he said, we have a lot of talent and we work hard, but the understanding that we have to play all four quarters and finish is something that's major. And I think that really hits hits on the head what has been Baylor's issue this entire season and what was Baylor's issue on Friday. The talent is there, and it's not like they're not trying to win. It's not like they're not working hard, but they're just they just haven't been able to finish like you mentioned. And it it happened again in this game. Granted, like you said. John Robinson is just so much better than probably anyone Baylor had on the field. Right. It's not it's not that bad of a look. Right. You, you would have liked to see after Bijan Robinson scored that first touchdown, would have liked to see Baylor come up with some sort of drive and response after you know they're only down four, right? Um, would have liked to see some sort of response there with like about seven minutes left, but Blake Shapen throws the pick. Uh, and just, you know, six and six on the season, Pernay, that's not where anybody expected nor wanted uh, Baylor to, to finish up. Um, but they really only got outplayed in, in two games, I would, I would argue. I, I think against Oklahoma State and Kansas State is where they truly got outplayed. Every other game that they played, could you know could have easily won could make the argument that they could have uh you know easily won those and t- to to me the most crushing are, are BYU TCU and West Virginia um where where those games literally came down to you know a blocked PAT a, a missed PAT missed field goal um and, and then of course TCU just not even getting a first down uh, when it mattered the most so uh to, to me, I feel like this – I feel like the – you know, I, I don't know. I'll turn it over to you. But it didn't feel like the wheels just fell off, you know, this season. I know we lost – ended on a three-game losing streak. But to me, it didn't feel like the wheels just fell off because they were so competitive in every every game. It just felt like they – like you said uh, on Jackson's quote, they just couldn't get the job done. They couldn't play four quarters because it felt like they were talented enough to win every game. And to me – it, it felt like it should have been a nine and three football team this year, maybe just on the outside looking in of the big 12 championship game. Uh, but it felt like they should have finished nine and three and be headed to like, yeah, the Alamo bowl or something like that. No, I think you're right. They definitely should have won that TCU game. They should have won the BYU game and they should have won the West Virginia game. Um, Baylor found a way to win their close games last year, which is why, they were able to be so successful, win the Big 12 championship, finish number five in the country in the AP poll. And this year, a lot of those close game, a lot of those close games didn't go their way. Um, right. And it's it sh- go ahead. We, we we alluded to that fact, right? You know, in, the, in our preseason podcast, we, we thought that you know we might not get all the bounces this year. 
Yeah, I, t- totally, totally. Um, I don't think either of us, even if we didn't get the bounces, would have expected Baylor to lose six games. Agreed. Agreed. But yeah, it's it's the law of averages, I guess. Um, but even after that blowout loss to Kansas State, they didn't they didn't give up. They came out and came out hungry against TCU in a rivalry game, and then even after that heartbreaker. They still came out ready to play against Texas, and I think that's a testament to Dave Aranda and the coaching staff, and as well as the character of the players on the team. Um, even if they're not able to maybe finish these games the way that they would like to, they're they're not giving up, and I think that's that just shows the culture that Dave Aranda has built at Baylor and will continue to build um, hopefully for many years moving forward. I know earlier today news came out that Luke Fickle is leaving Cincinnati to go to Wisconsin. So now I'm a, a little nervous, but I I think Dave Aranda is going to stay at Baylor. Um, but I okay. guess one one other point, Blake Shapin, he, he just has not lived up to expectations. And this game, he – he kind of made two bad plays in a row that led to ultimately Baylor losing the game. Um, Once Texas had scored a touchdown, Baylor had the ball almost at midfield and Blake Shapin first holds the ball for way too long in the pocket, takes a bad sack. And then I think it was the very next play. Correct me if I'm wrong. He he throws a bad interception that led to another Texas touchdown and, and essentially settled the game. So, yeah, um, I guess those are two big things to look forward to at least. Um, hopefully, like Dave Rand is staying, seeing that he's committed, which I think he is. Um, and then the quarterback picture for next year. Yeah, what, Pranay? Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned that mistake uh, by Blake Shapin, who was. You know, fifty percent completion rate, one hundred seventy nine yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, he he uh, he severely under underthrew Jalen Ellis again on the opening drive of the game. Um, that that cost the Bears a touchdown. Ultimately led to the safety and then capitalized on the falling possession to Ellis. Um, and then found Ben Sims wide open on a on a really smooth looking drive right before halftime. And that was something we always talked about throughout the course of the season um, was end of drive possessions, uh, both offensively and defensively for Baylor. Um, and that was one of the reasons why they had such a, you know, kind of a, their, their finger on the pulse of this Texas game. Uh, what, what do you think, what, what do you think happened in the second half where, where Baylor just could not get anything going Um you know, offensively, they, they had no points, they missed a field goal, and they were only in field goal range because of a Texas turnover. Um, and then their final two possessions, interception and pick, were, which were kind of, you know, almost desperation mode. What, uh, what do you think happened in the second half there? I think that they just lost focus, maybe. Um, weren't able to keep on with the fundamentals, um, the simple things. That's what 
a lot of people were saying in the post-game pressers. Aranda said that he he thought the players were pressing, that they felt the pressure. Um, and I feel like that's true. Because um, if they played to the best of their abilities and just played fundamental football for 60 minutes, this game could easily have had a different outcome. I think it was it was all mental, I would yeah. say. Yeah, that that's interesting that you know he brought up pressure again, feeling the pressure again. This this game should have been pressure free. There's not literally nothing on the line. You're just on the road playing your rival, playing a Texas rival. You know, one of the biggest brands in college football. Uh, just trying to you know spoil their chances. It, it, like there's, I don't I don't think any Baylor fan expected them to win this game. Uh, and and that's not a testament on on Baylor, just just more so what happened, you know, over the past two weeks and then Thanksgiving. Uh, I I felt like you were just playing nothing to lose, house money, everything to win. So they should have been playing loose. And the fact that they couldn't, um, it was kind of concerning. Maybe Texas turned it up a little bit defensively, but uh, uh, again, missing missing a field goal and. Um, Really, just didn't Texas didn't seem to figure it out until Quinn Ewers fumbled the ball, and then they were like, "All right, let's uh, let's not pass it anymore. Let's just give it to our our two headed running back monster." So to me, that I think, um, and I don't know the split Pernay of carries in the first half versus second half, but I know that was a big talking point for the analysts at halftime, saying like, "Yeah, you're just not giving the the ball to your running backs enough if you're the Longhorns." And I think they finally, when they finally figured that out, they were finally able to wear Baylor down. Would have liked to get some stops um, there in that in that situation, but uh, Bijan and Roshan just just too good, too good on the day, and they and they got the win. Um, so that's that's the way it goes but to, to me this game was there was no pressure there should have been no zero pressure of this uh of this game so maybe that's just a testament to uh, how young the team is maybe uh maybe Blake Shapin will improve maybe everybody else will improve as well and um they'll have a better better campaign next year and still got the bowl game so you know that, that that's always going to be fun I personally I'm hoping for the cheese it bowl the cheese it will the cheese it bowl would be cool, but it'll be fun regardless of where Baylor ends up. Um, hopefully, we get to play like a at least a Power Five team. I hope, um, but we'll see. definitely, definitely one hundred percent. All right, we're gonna do a full season preview podcast later. I guess either later this week or next week, um, but. Let's move on to the CFP picture and, and what's happening around the rest of college football. There were a couple of upsets on Saturday with LSU, number five, previous, previously number five LSU, falling to A&M in blowout fashion. Um, and, and Clemson also fell. So that's their second loss, knocked them out of the CFP picture. We're kind of down to six teams, right? It's going to be, at the end of the day, you figure it's going to be four of these six. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, 
TCU and who am I missing? Um, Michigan, sorry, Michigan, Ohio State, TCU, USC, Georgia. Georgia. Really five. Uh, a lot of people, Pernay, have been throwing Alabama in oh, there. Oh, I, I guess Alabama. I think that's kind of a joke. Um, <laughs> be, you know, because Tennessee has the two losses and they have the head-to-head over uh, Alabama. That, and they have, I mean, the common opponents. I mean, my, my God, Alabama didn't play Georgia. You know, Tennessee did, lost, but they don't have that common opponent. But Tennessee obliterated LSU. Alabama lost to LSU. Um, so the fact that everybody's trying to, you know, find a way for Alabama to get in just because of their history uh, is, I mean, just super hypocritical. It's, it's not even funny. That's so uh, true. Why why is Alabama ranked ahead of Tennessee? Do you know the the rationale for that? Because they're they're just going two losses on the road by a total of four points, um, is is the reason. So I'm very curious. The the college football playoff committee totally overreacted last week after Tennessee's loss to South Carolina, uh, which was a bad bad loss. But sometimes when it rains, it just pours. Uh, they totally overreacted there and put them way down to 10. Um, I, quite frankly, I don't think Alabama's resume is strong enough. Uh, Old Miss lost to Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Um, you know, I think those teams are just kind of average. Uh, and, and remember, the SEC doesn't play nine conference games. So Big 12, Big 10, ACC, I think, as well, they're all playing nine conference opponents. I think the Pac, I'm not sure about the Pac-12. I'd have to look. Uh, but but the SEC is only playing eight conference opponents. And I hope that's still accurate. But um, I just pull up Alabama's schedule here. Uh, one, two. Yeah, that's correct. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, eight SEC opponents. You know, and their Alabama's crossover game, for example, was Vanderbilt. Um, Tennessee's crossover game was LSU in the West. Uh, so I guess, I guess Alabama also had Tennessee, but you know, that's, it, it's very, it's, everything's been hypocritical. Reese Davis said, you know, LS, LSU shouldn't get above, this was two weeks ago, I think, shouldn't go to the college football playoff before Tennessee does when Tennessee only had one loss and then Tennessee lost. I mean, he seemed to forget about that and, uh, you know, his, his previous statement completely. Um, so yeah, I, I think you have to, you know, relook at Tennessee before you look at Alabama personally. Um, and then yeah, Clemson, Clemson got a tough loss, uh, but it's unfortunate because you have some really interesting conference championship games coming up and everybody's assuming kind of that TCU, Michigan and Georgia are all in whether they win or lose. And I just... That's probably correct. I could see the argument for for all of that, but um, I think they should be. Yeah, I I think um, and I think that's fair because I've thought about it a little bit. Uh, the one exception would be I think, TCU. you know, you, uh, you know, you might want to look at Kansas State a little bit, and I uh, because Kansas State is going to be a top ten team or should be a top ten team. The Big Twelve Championship game should be a top 10 matchup uh and that's where 
Kansas State could overcome their road loss to TCU when they were dealing with quarterback injuries. And if they smack TCU in the Big 12 championship game, why shouldn't they, you know, deserve deserve a hard look? Um, Wait, did you I, say did you say why shouldn't Kansas State deserve a hard look? Yeah, so, say Kansas State goes to the Arlington and just beats TCU by like five touchdowns. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, they have three losses though. They have three losses to T- TCU, Texas. Yeah. yeah, which I think everybody would accept that those are. And then Tulane, which is also not a bad loss. And and then Tulane, who's about to win, or, or should at least win, will be favored to win the American. And Tulane, I think, only has – they either have one or two losses. I think they might still only have one loss. They have two. Uh, they have two. They have two. Two, two losses, Tulane. But, but uh, wait, are you saying that Kansas State should make the college football playoff if they beat TCU? I would, I would certainly argue for it. What? Really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if they win by, if they win by, uh, yeah, four or five touchdowns, if they completely dominate TCU, a three-loss Kansas State team. I think State they deserve team? a look. What? A three-loss Kansas State team over like a one-loss Ohio State, a two-loss Tennessee, a two-loss Alabama. Um, you got two-loss like Washington out there. I don't know. I don't know. I can't really see that. At all, yeah, I, I think I. Well, I mean, that's that's the benefit of of look in 2014. The college football playoff committee was very clear: the 13th data point matters, and it it has to matter to some extent, and your opponent has to matter to some extent. If you go out there and make a statement and and win something like a a Georgia beating Oregon or a South Carolina beating Tennessee, where it's just so dominant on both the field and the scoreboard, then that has to matter as you're positioning for a final push. I'm not saying, you know, that Kansas State is automatically in with a win because TCU also beat Kansas State. So I could totally see TCU losing and then just being like, oh, they split against Kansas State. Uh, you know, they can slide in. But in my opinion, I would argue that Kansas State right now should be a top 10 team, definitely, uh, at this point. And that's a top 10 conference championship game against a team that has had quarterback injuries and struggles this this year. And they've had just as close, razor-thin losses um, – one possession losses, just like, you know, Alabama and Tennessee and everybody else that we're arguing for that the national pundits are arguing for to, you know, give the benefit of the doubt. So why can't you give the benefit of the doubt? Um, look, to look, look, yes. Kansas State should be a top 10 team this week. They should jump both Clemson and Oregon and, and be ranked number 10. Yeah. But if you have yeah. three losses, that means you, you slipped up three times um, you're gonna have, I guess, Georgia, who at worst case has one loss. You're gonna have Michigan, who at worst case has one loss. Ohio State, who at worst case, ha- who who will have one loss, and USC, who will have one or two losses. And then you have, like, I mean, if you look at the resume, I mean, first of all, three loss teams should not make should not be a top four team in the country, even if they win the conference championship. But 
regardless of that, all these other teams have have better wins and and better resumes too. But like I don't know, three at some point, the games you lose have to matter, and three losses is def. I mean, I think that two losses is cutting it close, but three losses definitely like you can't be in this, you can't be a top four team with with three blemishes on your record. Yeah. And and by the by the way, this isn't just Big 12 bias. I would argue the same for LSU and Utah. If, you think if LSU wins, they should still make the college football playoff? You're not you're not you're not listening. I'm saying if those three teams I'm just saying those three teams do have an opportunity to make an impression uh-huh. in their in their respective conference championship games. And if they make so much of an impression and remember, remember Ohio State fifty nine to zero over Wisconsin, right? Yeah, that's what that's what catapulted them in in twenty fourteen, right? Where they made mm-hmm. so much of an impression, they jumped in, and of course, they only had one loss, and then they had the conference championship game. But the main reason was because they were so impressive in that conference championship game, right? Where it made the, it easy for the committee to be like, all right, yeah, let's put Ohio State in over Baylor and TCU. See, right? I think the difference between those two, if a yeah, so I think the difference between those two scenarios is that in 2014, Ohio State destroyed, you said Wisconsin? It was Wisconsin. In Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, but they were already in the same tier as Baylor and TCU, and they made that much of an impression to to jump Baylor and TCU. But Kansas State, say they beat Say they beat TCU fifty nine to zero. They're they still have to have like a a full resume to back putting them in the college football playoff, and they don't have that resume. So I don't think. I think you have to already be in the conversation, and then you can make that statement. But I, they're, but they're not in the conversation. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally get, I totally get, I'm in the minority here and it's an uphill battle. Kansas State has had very good wins this season just by virtue of being in the Big 12. I would argue that the win over Baylor, Oklahoma State um, were, were great wins. Are they truly a top four team? Maybe, you know, just by looking on the eye test, maybe not. But all I'm saying is, Enough with telling me that Georgia, Michigan, and TCU are automatically in no matter how they perform this coming Saturday because this is not the NCAA tournament for basketball. These conference championship games have to matter, and, they've, and the committee has told us in the past that they, that they matter a great deal. And if we're just going to write them off, then there's no point of playing the conference championship games. There's no point for Utah to go out and try to beat USC for the second time this season, right? If it's not going to matter and Pac-12 think... a little bit more, but it just, it, the games have to matter. The 13th data point has <clears throat> been set. The precedent has been set that the 13th data point matters. I understand that all these are unlikely, but if you go out and make a huge statement I think you have to seriously consider that. Case in point, last year, I don't think Baylor was given serious enough consideration for the CFP because I think there is a legit argument that Baylor should have gone to the CFP 
uh, last year, even as, as a, as a two loss big 12 championship uh, winner, because I think they made that much of a, a defensive statement against, against the Cal Cowboys there. Um, I would agree with you that Baylor should have gotten a harder look last year, but I think these are, I still think, I still think the situations are different. And I think that, there is value in and of itself of winning the conference championship. Like even if you're a lock to make the college football playoff, I think that winning your conference is something to take pride in. And I think we should. Do you understand the difference between those two conversations? One is it's important to win the conference championship game for seeding and pride and everything like that. The other is like, it doesn't matter how you, I'm, I'm not, I'm not coming after you for now. I'm coming after all the ESPN pundits that are just saying it doesn't matter how they perform whatsoever in the con. Mm. Like the, the, the people are talking about, oh, rest your starters, and to me, that's not what college football is about. Oh, well, you know, I, things, yeah. things of that nature. And I'm just saying, if for for whatever reason, LS, if if LSU came out and pounded Georgia fifty nine to nothing, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's a lock, but. I'm saying that hat that performance has to matter, and and some you know sometimes the most recent performances, uh, is is what matters most. So, um, it, it's far fetched for any of those teams to 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 win it, LSU, Utah, and Kansas State to win it in such a matter that would catapult them in. But Kansas State should be a top ten team already. So to me, that's already kind of in the conversation. LSU is probably still going to be in the top ten, and Utah will be probably still outside the top 10, but um, this isn't like you, you remember in years past where, when, you know, Clemson was playing North Carolina in the, uh, the ACC title game and, and North Carolina would be like ranked 18th and just like a, a eight and four team, kind of like Purdue this year, like Purdue isn't even ranked. They're eight and four. They're going to the big 10 championship game. Um, right. Like, yeah, if, if, if Purdue, want, if, I mean, if Purdue smacked Michigan, I think we would all be gobs gobsmacked, right? But uh, yeah, to, to okay. Me, so if, if Purdue did that to Michigan, would I? You? I don't think I don't. I mean, I think you'd have to evaluate it, but it wouldn't be to me. It still wouldn't be enough, and it might it might be enough to say, okay, let's put a different team in. I think that's where you could put an right. If Michigan would you were to put in? like, I don't I don't know because I mean. We're talking hypotheticals here, right? But yeah. that's where you could maybe slide a Tennessee or an Alabama in. If, if, if Michigan – and that's actually a great point. If Michigan went out and got destroyed 48 nothing by Purdue, then all of a sudden you could – since that has to matter, you know, I wouldn't just give Michigan a pass and put them in. I'd seriously consider, okay, maybe I give that spot to not, – not Ohio State because Michigan has the head-to-head, but maybe I give that to – uh, Alabama or Tennessee, but Tennessee uh, got gobsmacked by by South Carolina. Yeah, I mean it's it's very it's very sorry you know welcome to college football it's it's great right but that and maybe maybe that's where you say okay you know what Alabama is is the one in right Bryce Young was just coming out back from injury on the road in Knoxville they've only lost two games by four points both on the road. Michigan got stomped. TCU lost to Kansas State, you know, in the title game. Um, 
So yeah, let's put Alabama in. They're they're clearly the best four teams. And but weren't you saying Tennessee should definitely be over Alabama? I I well, I was just saying to your point, right? If we were in the committee room and you said, uh, you know, Tennessee got gobsmacked, which is certainly an argument. But yeah, I I would put Tennessee. I would continue to put Tennessee in over over Alabama just because I value that head to head. Um, but I feel like at that point you just got to keep Michigan in. Because they both what? got gobsmacked. One has one loss. One has two losses. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But what I'm saying is, you know, you could definitely, you could definitely take both of those and just say, yeah, put them to the side, and and that's how out, you know, that's the path for Alabama um, to get in, right? Right. TCU is no longer unbeaten. Michigan blows it to Purdue, and and Alabama just slip, you know, and for whatever reason, the committee. It'll be interesting to see what the rankings, how they are when they come out, if they move Tennessee up at all. Um, right. But that's where they could be like, ah, let's just slide Alabama in because they can do what they, they want to do. So a lot of things, a lot of things to consider, but. Um, well, I think that's why Georgia and Michigan are locks because when you look at the full body of work, even if they get destroyed in one game, if you compare their entire body of work to any of these other teams, they're still a top four team. Agreed. I think Georgia has a fuller body of work than, uh, than Michigan. And, and all I'm, all I'm saying, I think this is why expansion will ultimately be good. I'm just saying, you can't just tell me that these games are meaningless. I think there have to be consequences. If you lose the final game, this is, again, this is college football. This is not, um, at least for me, I don't, I don't view it in the same lens as college basketball where we're, we're talking about a full, a full body um, where the full body of work seems to matter for basketball a little bit more than uh, just because by virtue of there being more games and you can play more non-conference opponents and, you know, a loss might carry less weight, like, right. You can show improvement and, and rebound from losses. I, I think uh, by the end of the year, you know, these are, these are the games that that's just what college football is. These are the games that matter the most, right? If you're not, if you're not winning these games, you're not going to get in the conversation. And if you're playing in these games and these conference championships, then I think you, you're, you know, you deserve to be in the conversation, no matter how much of a long shot it may be. That's, that's just where I'm, coming from right or Oregon has failed right Oregon has failed you know in you know recent years at least the last two years to win key games at the end of the season right they've lost conference you know Utah is in the same boat right Tennessee did not beat Georgia we we've been talking about this all year Tennessee had to beat Alabama and Georgia if they wanted a clear shot in. And even if, even after the loss to Georgia, all they had to do was beat South Carolina and Vanderbilt and they couldn't get the job done. Uh, so if you're in these, if you're in, if you're playing in these games and you have a chance to make an impression and you do make an impression and you're a top 10 team, then I think that, you know, that has to matter and it has to be part of the conversation right now. It is not part of the conversation at all read, read the articles no one's mentioning tennessee no one's mentioning clemson no one's mentioning lsu utah kansas state even as you know a footnote they're just not in not in any of the uh uh the conversations 
And if I saw a 538 playoff predictor, if Kansas State were to beat TCU and there are some other things that happened, uh, they had a 50% or 52% shot to get in the playoff. Um, so, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. This is very much, you know, this is something that, again, going back to 2014, where the committee did not, did not, I think, fairly evaluate Baylor's final game or TCU's for that matter, but they did not fairly evaluate Baylor's final game against a top 10 Kansas State team that they beat for a de facto Big 12 uh, championship. You know, they kind of were just like, oh, it's Kansas State. No, that was a top 10 Kansas State team. And the same thing with TCU this year. They are going to be playing a top 10 Kansas State team in the conference championship. And I think that works both ways, right? I think if Kansas State blows them out, you know, you know, let, let's kind of see what, what chaos, you know, that would be like a, they would need a perfect weekend of chaos, right? If, right, well, if, I'm, I'm going to disagree with just, you on just that. To, but... just, just, to, just, just to put the bow on this, but if TCU were to lose to, again, a top 10 Kansas State team by like one possession or whatever, a hard-fought game, neutral field, like, yeah, I would, I would, I would say like, yeah, put the, you know, evaluate everything, but don't give it, don't give the final slot to Alabama, keep TCU in the mix type thing. But just, you know, it just really strikes a chord with me. You can't, you can't tell me that these games, you know, don't matter for, for everybody involved. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes it takes a killer to catch a killer. These killings are my vengeance. The new season of the hit Paramount Plus original series Criminal Minds Evolution is now streaming. Buried secrets come to light in the new season as the criminal profilers join forces with an unlikely ally. I have a plan. We will not rely on help from a serial killer. Oh, you most certainly will. Stream the new season of Criminal Minds Evolution exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Miner, alongside my co-host, Pranay Malampati. Uh, Pranay is coming to us live from uh, one of his law, law classes that's on break, but we just got the release of the uh, college football playoff rankings, and so we're going to dive into those. We know we had a really intense uh, conversation. Pranay, I probably owe you an apology. Uh, didn't mean to take my feelings out on you. It was more the uh, college football system in general. I'm just really passionate about that. Uh, but the top 10 rankings are out. The whole top 25 here, the top 10, Pernay. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, one through four. Five through 10, on the outside looking in, Ohio State, Alabama at six, Tennessee, Penn State at eight, Clemson, and Kansas State. Um, so, yeah, so feel, feel pretty good right about those? Yeah, so you were right about Kansas State being in the top 10. I guess we both were, but they, they are at number 10, even though Clemson is still in the top 10. I think Kansas State jumped Utah. They um, did. 
I like I like all the all of that right there. Um, and I think the most important thing is that Ohio State is at number five over Alabama at number six. So if USC were to lose in that Pac-12 game, Pac-12 championship game, it would be Ohio State if it gets in. If the committee decides to drop USC and not Alabama. Um, so we're pretty much down to five teams for four spots. Yeah, it, it really feels like that. Uh, I would have had Tennessee and Alabama swapped. And then Penn State really feels like an anomaly uh, to me at number eight. They, they quietly did have a really good season. Um, only two losses to Penn State and, and Michigan. Oh, wow. Um, to Ohio State and Michigan, apologize, uh, where they got absolutely blown out. But they basically blew out everybody else other than Purdue and Northwestern. Um, ironically enough, from the Big Ten West. So, um, you know, I, I think Penn State, so real quick, Tennessee should be over Alabama because that's head-to-head, did it on the field. There's no reason to be putting Alabama ahead of Tennessee, in my opinion. And then Penn State, I think, has a, a realistic, uh, it's probably coin flip possibility of dropping out of the top 10. And I know that's what's anchoring Ohio State and Michigan um, that's why I know that's why they have the committee has Penn State so high up. But um, if if Clemson and Kansas State and Utah all win, which Utah's at eleven, if they, if those three teams win their conference championships, then they should I think jump Penn State, and then I wouldn't see uh, USC and TCU falling below Penn State. So I, I think that's just a red herring, um, if you will, there. That's fair, yeah. I think that if all three of those teams win their conference championship, then they would, they would all jump Penn State. Um, and that would make sense to me. I think that Clemson, I guess Clemson over Kansas State, I just want to point out, I think that makes sense. Because Clemson has a good win at Florida State, who's ranked in the top 15 right now. Yep. Um, and even if Penn State does fall out of the top 10, I don't think that... I don't think that hurts Ohio State. I think Ohio State still gets in the playoffs if USC loses, which would have to happen, obviously, for Penn State to fall out of the top 10. Other than that, I pretty much agree with the entire top 10 and really the entire set of rankings. Um, I guess something to point out, uh, a couple of things to point out, I guess Tulane plays UCF to make a New Year's Six Bowl appearance in the Cotton Bowl, I believe. Um, and then if Utah loses to USC, they're at 11, Washington's at 12. So if Utah loses to USC, it's very possible that Utah drops below Washington, who only has two losses, and Utah would have four. So Washington would get probably that bid into the Rose Bowl and play yeah. Ohio State, which I think would be an incredible matchup, Ohio State versus Washington, if, if Ohio State doesn't end up making the playoff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and all the way down the rankings, they got basically um, that they, they honored the committee honored head to head everywhere uh, where, where it basically mattered. They they ranked Florida State over LSU. They ranked Oregon State over Oregon. Um, yeah, uh, they everywhere just except for ev- Tennessee, Alabama. everywhere except for Tennessee and Alabama, which is just. Basically maddening, uh, and of course Michigan over Ohio State, um, which is pretty maddening that they're just giving Alabama a pass. It doesn't really make, you know, a whole lot of sense to me. But, but well, I di- I, I digress. If you look at the BS BC, like if you look at what the rankings would be under the BCS system, 
that that also has Alabama over Tennessee. So like resume wise, and like if you take them in a vacuum, Alabama technically has a better better resume than Tennessee just because of how badly Tennessee got blown out to South Carolina. Now I get the fact that Tennessee beat Alabama and I would probably have Tennessee over Alabama if I were the one making the rankings too because you gotta you gotta look at like the matchup that occurred on the field right. the teams, in my opinion. But I do understand why the committee has Alabama over Tennessee. Yeah, it's just more it's just more hypocrisy uh, as per usual with with the committee. Uh, the whole we don't have time to divide d- dive into the history, right? But the whole point of moving away from the computer rankings was to allow a committee to go and say, okay, head to head, we can adjust the rankings as needed, and they've kind of just taken it way too, you know, very much overcorrected. Um, real quick, because I know this is on the top of your mind, and I know you need to get back to class. Um, could Kansas State make the playoff? Realistically, not. But here's here's the argument for really, you know, because I would argue this for Clemson, Kansas State, Utah. All those teams have opportunities ahead, and they're playing this weekend. Uh, Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, Ohio State, all are not playing uh, this weekend. So, you know, if, uh, and Reese Davis mentioned it on the, on the telecast, um, uh, if if Kansas State, you know, I think he said blitz TCU like forty eight to to seven or nothing or something like that. Um, he didn't he didn't argue to say that Kansas State would get in, but that would drop you know TCU out. Um, I just think if one of those teams does an absolute you know heck of a heck of a showing, you know you'd have to you'd have to look at that. But I think a ton of things would have to go correctly, and even then, I think Ohio. Can I say something real, real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I still totally disagree with you on Kansas State having a shot at the playoff because I think three losses is too much. But if Clemson were to blitz North Carolina like 47-0 and then if USC were to get blitzed by Utah, now you have an argument. I think that I think that Clemson at that point should jump Penn State, should jump Tennessee, maybe should jump Alabama. And then you have an argument there between Ohio State, a two-loss USC team, and a two-loss Clemson team. Who would be an ACC champion? The only one out of those out of those three teams that would be conference champion. Right. Do you see any shot of them putting Clemson in if that scenario were to happen? Yeah, and and this is why I was coming on, on uh, to finish about Kansas State, where I really don't see them being able to get in, uh, but I think they could move up to like five or six. Uh, it's a great point about Clemson because I would argue the same thing for Clemson as well as well as Utah, right? If they totally killed and did something amazing. Uh, I see Ohio State over Clemson because of the common opponent of Notre Dame and because of the strength of the ACC. We, we've talked about it all year. ACC has been fraudulent and trash all year. I think I think the Big Ten's a little bit um, trash as well. I think they really only have the three teams. Um, but Ohio, Ohio State beat Notre Dame and and Clemson got killed, absolutely killed. Defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, and you know, off, offensive touchdown. Uh, obviously, all three phases got killed by Notre Dame. So even as an ACC champion, they still they have two losses. Maybe if they beat South Carolina, I would bump them in. Um, but I think Ohio State gets the nod, and because Ohio State had a stronger non-conference schedule, even though they got killed by Michigan, I think that does keep them over uh, Kansas State. So I think we are looking at um 
at the five teams. And it would be very interesting if Michigan won, Georgia won, right? But then TCU and USC were to get beat badly. Because I think that opens up a whole can of worms for your Clemsons, your Kansas States, your Alabamas, your Tennessees, and Ohio States. Yeah, totally. I've got nothing else to add. Me neither. So it'll be fun for championship weekend. Uh, but, you know, I think I think TCU gets the job done. Hopefully hopefully they win. Hopefully they do Big 12 proud. I hope so, too. I hope, I hope they get in there and make the playoff and make some noise. But we will see. For sure. All right. Thanks for coming back, everybody, and listening uh, to the Bears Illustrated podcast. Championship weekend. That's that's it. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.